Welcome to the C12 Podcast. C12 is a college and young adult ministry where 20-somethings at 12 Stone Church gather on Thursday nights. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. Man, we really be doing some people dirty at those national anthems, uh, especially Fergie. I'm glad she's not here. Not that she really would. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she could. Um, but you guys remember that national anthem when Fergie did it? Oh, man. Everyone laughing. We really did some people dirty. Uh, on that one. So before we start C12, I thought we'd uh, kick off the national anthem. So if you please stand, remove your ball caps. I'm going to go ahead and sing. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm not. Uh, if I start singing, I'm going to lose people. Uh, and, but let's not think like we could do better. Like we, we think that sometimes we could do better. I don't know if we could. Uh, but how, how many of you actually just watch the Super Bowl just for the commercials? Like you're, you're just all in for the commercials. That's the only thing you watch it for. Okay, how many of you are like, man, I do the Super Bowl because I just, I want some food. <laughs> like I don't care who's playing. Give me some buffalo chicken dip. I want, I want something, chips and queso. I, wa- I want something good. How many of you actually just get competitive? Like you want a certain team to win. Like you're, you're in this. Where, where are my competitive people out in the room? Where? <laughs> I don't know if you're really competitive. If all you do is just raise your hand. I don't know. Maybe competitive people usually get loud. Like when I say competitive, you want to be more competitive. There it is. We got a little competitive section there. See, when you want to get competitive, you don't like losing. See, you don't, you don't like losing at all. And when you get competitive and you do lose, you get a little, a little bitter, a little salty. See, when I was uh, uh, going into my freshman year of high school, I played basketball my entire life, grew up with it, played travel basketball, was in tournaments. I mean, went all over the place. Uh, and going into my freshman year, uh, I was going to try out for the, for the freshman basketball team. And so we had uh, about 40 uh, or so guys that were trying out for this team, and they could only take about 15. So this thing was uh, pretty competitive. I was a little nervous, but felt good uh, about it just because I played basketball my entire life. And uh, uh, growing up, it was just, it was my favorite sport. And so I felt good that, you know what, I've done this for a long time. And in the kind of quote unquote off season or leading up to tryouts, I had all the uh, open gyms that I went to. I was like working on my game, I was working on my shot. I was working on everything that I needed to do and leading all that up until tryouts happened. And uh, it's a long, extensive week. And I got to the actual tryout week, and, and I, there's actually people above me that were like, hey, you're actually doing a, a good job. Like, there's people that were older than me, that, that were like juniors, seniors, that were like, dude, you're doing a really, really good job. So I felt good about myself. I wasn't like just faking it. I wasn't like, oh, I think I'm doing it. I just lack self-awareness. It was like, no, people actually are saying that I'm doing a good job. So I get to the end of the week, end of tryouts, and we're all sitting in the hallway, all 40 of us just lined up in the hallway. You go into the coach's office one by one. So they just tell you if you made the team or not. It's just simple, pretty to the point, pretty blunt. Whether you made the team. And I get into the office and the coach just tells me straight up, just says, hey, Alex, I just, you know, you're, I think, a good player. And I think there uh, are a lot of good attributes. But you ever get that, you know? It's like, oh, you're good, uh, but, like, oh, this is what you really wanted to say. And I get... He just goes on to say, you know, you're not going to be traveling with us this year. And my heart sank. Like, I, I, I was like, I was offended. Like, I, I, was, I was hurt. I was confused. So I go out into the hallway, and people are like, oh, you probably didn't make the team. And I was like, no, I actually did it. And people are like, oh, <laughs> sorry. Um, and, and I get out into the hallway, and there's other people who ended up making the basketball team who literally came up to me and said, you know what, you, like, you should have made it over me. And so now I just went from like, I'm offended and now I'm just like, I'm hurt. And now I'm just like flat out bitter. Like I was bitter. 
I was, I was, as a kid, even growing up, I was just a sore loser when it came to some stuff. Like if I lost, I'm going to like, I, I'll never forget about it. If, 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 if I don't play well, I'm never going to forget it. If I don't perform well in a certain sport, I'm just always going to hang that over my head because I'm always trying to be perfect. And so when it came to this week and he said, you're not going to travel with us, I just became bitter. And I started like pointing at people. I'm like, well, dude, you, obviously you're not even that good. I don't even know why you made the team. The only reason why you're on the team is because your dad knows the coach. Mm. You can see how that went. <laughs> he wasn't my best friend or anything. Uh, the other person, I was like, man, you're only on the team uh, because you, your, your dad does the sporting goods. You're only on the team because, you know, you just wrote the varsity coach a letter of why you think you should start. And maybe instead of writing letters, you should just work hard. So apparently our team is a bunch of suck-ups and not a bunch of athletes. Ooh, I was bitter. I was bitter, bitter. And the thing is, when we get bitter, we get to a really bad spot. In my mind, I said I was better, but in my heart, I displayed I was bitter. I like to convince myself, oh, I'm just better than you. I'm, I'm better at you than basketball. I'm better at you than life. See, let, let's just make this more personal. Maybe when you don't have a Valentine's date and everybody else does, maybe you start to get a little bitter because you're like, well, how does so-and-so going on a date? How is so-and-so already married? How is so-and-so already, already engaged? They're not even that attractive. I'm clearly better Apparently, everybody else goes for low-hanging fruit, and clearly, I just have too high of standards. Maybe when other people get promoted and you don't, you just say, well, you know what? They don't even work that hard. They're not even that good. They suck at their job. I'm clearly better. Maybe when other people have best friends and community works out for them, and maybe you're in a season of life where community is a really hard thing for you. You might look at people who have friends in their groups and you just call them cliques. Well, their, their friend group just sucks. I'm clearly better when other people are farther along in life, maybe funnier than you, smarter than you, have more money than you. You find reasons to criticize where they are at because it's not where you are at. And we get openly critical and secretly jealous because it all starts with an offense. It all starts by being offended it leads to someone said something to us, someone did something to us, it starts as an offense and then it leads to a hurt. So now I'm sad, now I'm mad, now I'm angry, now I'm resentful and then when this gives birth to its full form, it leads to bitterness. It all just starts as an offense. It starts as little small seeds and, and how do we let go of bitterness? How do we let go of, of feeling like I'm bitter? Let's, ju let's just jump right in. The first one, don't be easily offended. Don't be easily offended. Or maybe another way to say this is don't be quick to become angry. Now, as we go through these, maybe these points aren't going to seem like, oh, well, that's not the most profound thing. But sometimes when you're walking through bitterness, you don't actually need something more profound. You just need something more practical. How do I actually go through it? Well, one, don't be easily offended. The enemy would love to plant seeds of offense so it can produce roots of bitterness. And when we get offended, we're a little quick to play defense, aren't we? We get a little aggressive. We self-protect. We block people out. We ignore people. We cut out everybody else's opinions. We get triggered and we respond with anger. 
Maybe you've just been paying attention over the last year or two years and all the things that have happened on, on maybe social media or watching on Instagram, TikTok, and all the fights that have broken out on airlines. Have you, how, who has flown in the last year or two and you maybe have witnessed, maybe you've come across like, man, some unruly passengers, something broke out. I mean, it was like over something, whether they wore a mask or not, or the, the stroller couldn't fit, or somebody took your seat and all of a sudden it just becomes like some big, like, let me RKO you in front of a family and a kid's crying. And it's like, I'm trying to fly Delta. I didn't know this was a John Cena fight, but let me pull up a theme song and do, 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 do. Like, apparently we're all just going to start RKOing each other. And this is what I have seen. And I just, I, I thought it to be really funny because I've noticed I've watched these videos. I've seen them and we're actually tracking data for this exact thing. Let me just show you. There'd be a picture on the screen behind me. Look at it. Oh, we're okay. 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 Offended. <laughs> right after the pandemic, right in 2020, all of a sudden everything, we just came a lot more triggered, a lot more offended, a lot more angry. I guess airplanes was the way to go about it. <laughs> I mean, it spiked. So where are we at now? Right now, we're not even two months into 2022, and we already have approximately 400 reports of unruly passengers, 123 investigations that are initiated, 59 law enforcement action cases initiated. We are on track right now. Catch this. We are on track to have 5,000 cases this year of unruly passengers it's perhaps the most that we've ever had. We live in a day and age where people get offended and angry way too quickly. Minor offenses become big betrayals. Small things become big deals. Our generation, I think, is the most physically safe, yet we're perhaps the most emotionally fragile. We're the most emotionally fragile. Everything seems to offend you. You can't say something uh, uh, without feeling like you're going to offend someone. You say something to offend me, canceled. You don't agree with what I believe, canceled. You upset me or I'm angry with you, canceled. And since it's our anger, we like to justify that to be right. I love what the Bible says about anger. This says it in James. Maybe you've heard this verse before. James 1 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Maybe you've heard that verse. Like, yep, I've heard that before. I understand it. Well, here's the reason why. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, we all have things that make us angry, makes you triggered, makes you offended. Y'all have pet peeves. If, like, if, this, if one person just says this, like, oof, it just gets under my skin. If someone does this, I just, oh, I can't stand it. I feel like there's just things that are boiling within me. How many, how many of you have pet peeves? Okay, this is like one thing that bothers you. I thought we just, let's just throw some up, a pet peeves. I'm just going to write around this board. What are pet peeves that you have? They're like, if someone says this, if someone does this, like this is going to bother the living heck out of me. I cannot stand it. What are pet peeves? Just shout them out. Driving under the speed limit. <laughs> Wow, we're getting a lot of amens for that one, apparently. <laughs> yeah, you, you understand. Speed limit, sure, driving. You can't read it anyways. All right, next one. <laughs> Say it again. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't ever do that. Yeah, for sure. What's another one? Just shout them out. Incompetence. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
And we never have those in our culture, do we? Uh, let's try another one. Laziness. <laughs> let's try another one. Messiness. Oh. All the college guys are like, I don't know what that is. What's another one? Bad attitude. Mm. Not saying thank you. Let's bring Shirley back, can we? Talking through a movie. Sitting on, we're getting very specific, I like it. Sitting on, face, sitting on FaceTime in a restaurant. Entitlement. My pet peeve, I'll never do this again. I'm, uh, I'm past it. <laughs> Trust me, it's my own pet peeve, too. When you go to school in Canada, it just holds you back. Uh, <laughs> you learn English a lot slower there. Air is a little thinner. Uh, <laughs> these are all pet peeves. Maybe you can't write. Maybe you can't spell. Maybe uh, it's not saying thank you. See, we all have pet peeves. Maybe they're just little to you. Maybe they're major to you. Maybe in our culture, we all have like these just giant pet peeves. Maybe it's if someone got the vaccine or not. Mm, we're going to go there. Whether someone wears masks or not. Whether who uh, you voted for or not. Where people stand on hot topic issues. Maybe there's pet peeves in relationships. Maybe when people don't respond to texts and people don't treat you fairly. When people don't invite you to a hangout. Little pet peeves. You know what these are? They're just offenses that lead to hurt, that lead to bitterness. Bitterness is a root, but offense are the seeds. And when it's our anger, we like to think that it's justified because it's our anger. And when other people don't see that it made me mad, I actually get more angry. So now you get more offended by the fact that you don't know why it made me angry. Now I'm going to get more angry. So now we're just constantly angry. Now we're flipping tables just because we saw Jesus do it in scripture and because he got angry and he flipped stuff over. So now I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to flip stuff over. Now I'm going to flip out on people and not respond to people. And I'm going to ignore people and I'm not going to choose to talk to people and I want nothing to do with them. You see, Jesus flipped tables to make a difference. Sometimes we flip tables to make a point. What is your anger producing? Are you trying to make a difference or are you trying to make a point? Is it righteous anger or is it self-righteous anger? That's a question we're sitting on. Does it make the world better or does it make your heart more bitter? Does it give you reason to be right so others can be wrong? You see, Jesus was never about being right. He always picked the path of love. Look what it says in Matthew 22. It says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why did I pick this verse? Why? Because Jesus was so sold out on love. He took everything that the law and the prophets talked about, and he summed it up into two things. Love God, love people. 
Jesus had every reason to be right. He had every reason to prove the Pharisees wrong. He had every reason to just count them out. He had every reason to just let go of Peter because you denied me. He had every reason to maybe just have Judas killed because he ratted him out for 30 pieces of silver. He had every reason to be right against the government, against the government rulers. He had every, reason of, uh, every right to let go of his disciples for their lack of faith. Jesus had every reason to be right, yet he demonstrated every expression of love. Jesus doesn't call you to be right. He calls you to love. So let go of offenses. What would it matter anyways? Because you're right, we, we feel justified. Because I'm right, I feel maybe selfishly better. What was the goal? Was the goal for you to see my anger or was the goal for our relationship to be restored? Was the goal for me to show you that I'm bitter or was the goal for my soul to get better? You're either bitter or better, but you can't be both. Second thing, moving on. Expose the unresolved causes of your bitterness. Expose the unresolved causes of your bitterness. Maybe for some of you, there's just offenses that have just sat and they're just little seeds. Maybe there's things that are growing underneath the surface that you don't even know are there. I love what Ephesians 5 says, has nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Expose them. Bitterness is a fruitless deed. And we actually sat down for a second to figure out why there's wounds there, maybe why I'm actually bitter. I've actually sat and just reflected, like, what are the things that cause me to be bitter? What are the things that are causing me to be offended? What are the things that are causing me to be so angry? Maybe right now you're bitter at God because he didn't give you what you asked. Maybe you're bitter at God because someone you love is going through a medical diagnosis that no one expected. Maybe you're bitter at God because he isn't doing things on your timeline. You're bitter towards your parents because they don't treat you fairly. You're bitter towards the church because you got hurt. You're bitter towards your ex because they decided to end things. You're bitter towards your spouse because they ignore you. You're bitter towards your friends because they don't live up to your expectations. With whom or at what are you bitter? Because you can't heal from what you can't admit. I'll say that again. You can't heal from what you can't admit. And let me take it more personal for me. A lot of you guys know the journey of me stepping out of the residency program, which is a pastoral, it's a two-year pastoral uh, development training program that we do here at 12 Stone. And I came into that a couple years ago in June of, of 2018. I did it for a year and four months. I stepped out and I went to go pursue uh, some medical training uh, at the Gwinnett Fire Academy and they, they do all their EMS stuff there. I was gonna go use that overseas for missions and a lot of you guys know that, that journey and what God did along the way uh, and God just kind of highlighting what is, my, what is my calling and bringing me back to where God wanted me to be the whole time. And it led me stepping back into the residency and it allowed me, uh, and God called me to be the, the pastor at, at C12 and maybe... <laughs> It was, a, it was a up and down journey, but God knew what he was doing the whole time. And maybe you don't know how I left the residency and what God was doing in that time. And God put Psalm 37 on my heart and I haven't left it since. Two years, over two years I've been sitting in this Psalm. 
Psalm 37 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. I have sat in this psalm for over two years. And at times I am tempted to leave it. And God keeps bringing me back to it again and again and again and again. To wait, to trust, to obey. Wait. It's one of the last things I heard God so evidently say, almost audibly. Spoke right to my soul. And sometimes what God says isn't what you want. And maybe in seasons where God is doing something that you didn't expect or God is doing something that you didn't want, you actually confuse unanswered prayers with unwanted answers. And I'm about to do what they usually tell communicators not to do. (laughs) They usually tell communicators and leaders to maybe not talk about things and when you're in the season. And usually as a communicator, you talk about things when you're uh, maybe well beyond it because then you can kind of oh, emotionally process it and you can kind of share from a, from a perspective as you going through it. But what I've just noticed a little bit more in our culture today is that there's just a lot more that's complex and there's a lot more that's unclear. Wouldn't you agree with that? Like there's a lot about your world that you're like, I don't know what the heck lies ahead. I don't know what is going to be in my future. And sometimes a silver, we just don't have silver bullet answers to really fit complex problems. And we live in a day where there's more uncertainty. Maybe right now you find yourself in like a biblical wilderness season. Maybe you're in a waiting season. You don't know what to do next. You don't know what God has for you. You don't know how things pan out. And if we're not careful, we can get to a spot where we're bitter in the season that we're at because we don't want where God has us. And we want to do things on our terms, on our timeline, on what I want to do. Maybe you don't have a job yet. Maybe you haven't bought a house yet. Maybe you haven't gotten married yet. Maybe you haven't graduated yet. And you feel like you should be arriving at all these destinations right now in your life. Maybe you don't know your own calling yet. You don't know what God has for you. Maybe you're lacking clarity and you're just asking all these questions, but you're not getting enough answers. See, when we're bitter, what we really say and what we really mean is that we don't trust God. We just don't trust God. Let me draw it out this way. See, for some of us in life, there are expectations that we have, and maybe we just have them a little bit too high. There are expectations of this is where I want to be, this is where I feel like I should be, and then this is where you really are, which is reality. And in the middle, you have this as a gap. And in the gap... There is often bitterness, there's often pain, there's hurt, there's confusion. You don't know what God has for you. And and maybe the reason why your bitterness is growing is because your expectations are just way too high. Maybe your expectations have just been way too high for people and you get so bitter that they hurt you. Well, let's just talk about this for a second. Maybe we need to lower our expectations for people. I get it. Maybe the church hurt you. Yeah, welcome home, bro. Maybe people have said things about you that, they, that, they, that you wish that they didn't. Maybe you got treated unfairly or unjustly. 
Yeah, same here, sister. We're all in the same club. We are the church. We are people. The church isn't an institution. It's not some hierarchy thing in the sky that just wants to wish evil on people. See, the church consists of people, and we uh, are all broken. We're all in need of God's grace, and hurting people hurt people. So there's going to be times where we say things we shouldn't say. There's going to be times that we do things we shouldn't do. There's going to be times where maybe we step out of lines, and we're going to do that to others, and others are going to do that to us. But whether that sin is is an inch deep or a mile deep, it both needs the blood of Jesus. So thank God that he's able to still redeem things and restore things because I could never do it on my own. So let's stop playing the blame game and playing the victim of, well, they hurt me and they did this. Well, no wonder why. Maybe our expectations are just way too high. Maybe your expectations right now in life are just way too high. You thought you'd be married by now. You thought that you would have a house by now. You thought you'd figure out your calling by now. Maybe your expectations are being disappointed by your timeline, but it's not God's timeline. Sometimes we love the destination that God brings, but we don't love the journey that he takes us on. God, let's have the same destination, but let's choose my journey. And we get to a spot where we start to spread the gap between our expectations and our reality. Well, no wonder why our bitterness grows. It's our job to shrink the gap, to understand that, hey, this is where we really are. Maybe right now you want to be at a spot in life where you're like, well, I want to drive a Land Rover. I want to have a golden retriever. I want to live in Chateau Long. <laughs> and you're like, well, cool. I'm in a one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> I'm single. Driving my mom's hand-me-down car. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> There's only two things that can grow in these seasons. Only one of two roots. It's contentment or it's bitterness, but it can't be both. It can't be both. And we hold on to grudges and bitterness because we think that we deserve something. Our own pride and arrogance might think that we actually deserve better. God, what I have for myself is better than what you can offer. God, the life that I have planned is way better than what you could dream up of. God, where I want to be is maybe better than what you have. And sometimes we think (laughs) that we're more compassionate than God is. So in seasons of waiting, wilderness, uncertainty, maybe seasons of, 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 of obscurity, maybe right now you're just like, I don't know what's ahead of me. Things are very unclear. And sometimes in life we bounce back and forth between obscurity and seasons of opportunity. There's going to be things where, you know what, God's doing things in your life. God is doing things in your foundational years. God is doing things when you're a college student and as a young adult that's going to make you a better follower of Jesus when you're 30 years old and you're a mom or when you're a dad or when you're leading a business. See, these years matter. These years are foundational. And sometimes we just waste seasons of obscurity because we can't wait to be in seasons of opportunity. And maybe God would just want you to stay in obscurity until you get rid of the sick desire to be out of it. It was never about the spotlight being on you. It was never about the attention being about you. What's brighter, the light on you or the light in you? A third thing, kill roots of bitterness. Straight to the point. Kill roots of bitterness. Once you expose them, once you figure out why they're there, where they come from, maybe where those uh, offending seeds are, maybe where those things have, have, have caused you to be angry or hurt or resentful, you have to kill the roots of bitterness. We have any gardeners in here? 
Yeah, I didn't. Okay, we got one. Yeah, I didn't think we'd have a lot. I didn't think it was a popular uh, hobby these days. Uh, uh, growing up, um, my gardening career lasted half a day. Um, and uh, my mom wanted to have a garden out back. And uh, it lasted, the reason, there's a big reason why it lasted half a day. I, as a kid, you're like, oh, I could go garden or I could play Call of Duty. Like, uh, what's more compelling? Not sitting in soil. Okay, let's play some video games. Uh, and and the, the thing that I learned about gardening is one, like it's a lot of work. And the half a day that I had and all my experience and all my wisdom, all I did in the half a day was I just like pulled weeds and I planted seeds. I pulled weed and planted seeds. I pulled weeds and planted seeds, pulled weeds and planted seeds. I did the same thing for hours and hours and hours and hours. And all I was doing the whole time was making the soil richer. It just seemed like a waste of time. I was like, what am I doing? I don't even like raspberries. I don't even, I don't even want this. I don't, what, what am I wasting my time for? And all I kept doing was pulling weeds and planting seeds. Isn't that just kind of what we do, though? Sometimes in life, you just pull weeds and plant seeds. You pull the things that aren't supposed to be there, and you plant the things that should. And what I learned, I, I was, uh, brought me back to this because I was listening to an interview of a Actually, a well-known pastor out in California, he was talking about gardening, and, and I wanted to check out because it felt like, oh, gardening is not the thing for me. I could care less. And he started talking about, well, when he's in his garden, he wasn't excited about the fruit or the vegetables or the, the harvest that it would bring, but he was excited about his soil being richer next year. The richer the soil, the richer the harvest. It was never about just the fruit that was being produced. He knew that in the next year, the soil would become richer. In Scripture, you see all these kind of parables or analogies. One of them is in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, and it goes about planting seeds. And for that to produce good things, it has to be on good soil. And just a while ago, God arrested me of this thought, and it says, if you want better roots, you have to have better soil. If you want deeper roots in God's presence, you want deeper roots in him, you have to have better soil. Be careful about what roots are growing in your life. Are they roots that are rooted in Jesus or are they roots that are rooted in bitterness? What roots are growing in your life? I love how Hebrews talks about bitterness. It says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. No bitter root. Authors using this as an example, using bitterness and showing there's no bitter roots. Why? Because roots are an underground job. Roots usually exist beneath the surface. Bitterness usually exists beneath the surface. You know, and you might not know that it's there. You don't know how long it's been there. You don't know where it came from. You don't know how it's growing. You don't know what the cause of it was. See, bitterness is a dangerous root. Bitterness is a dangerous root. But he goes on to say, because it can cause trouble and defile many. Defile. Let's just throw, we're going to take a little Greek lesson for a second. Uh, we're all going to say this word on the count of three, and uh, we're all going to be experts in Greek. Uh, ready on the count of three? One, two, three. Wow, perfect. That's exactly what it is in Scripture. Miaino. Um, <laughs> it means sustain, pollute, contaminate. This is a Greek word for defile. And we all know bitterness can contaminate. It can defile. It doesn't just defile you. It can defile other people, other groups. A bitter person can poison a small group. 
A bitter person can make a workplace miserable. A bitter person can divide a family. A bitter person can ruin a relationship. A bitter person can bring drama to friend groups. A bitter person can bring the whole sports team down. Bitter won't make you better. So how do you kill it? How do I get rid of bitterness? Ephesians 4 goes on to say, get rid of bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Be kind and compassionate. You want to know how to kill it? Just be kind. It lays it out pretty bluntly. Be kind and compassionate. You know what? You might not be able to control what happens to you, but I do believe that you can control how you respond. And there's going to be things in life that cause you to, uh, for you to feel and think different things. There are things in life, there's events that happen that causes you to feel a certain way, either positive or negative. And that leads to you having thoughts that are positive and negative. There's going to be things that happen to you that, you know what? So-and-so hurt me. He let me down. They betrayed me. She misled me. There's going to be things and events that cause you to feel, well, this is going to make me feel great or this is going to make me feel horrible. Now I'm going to have all these thoughts about this place, about this church, about this institution, about this group of people or about this person. It's going to be positive or it's going to be negative. But what we fail to see is that we have a perspective, maybe a filter, if you will, how we filter through it, how we process through it. We might not be able to control everything that happens to us, but we do get to choose how we respond to it. Be kind and be compassionate. Choose to believe the best. The second thing, forgive each other. When we're bitter, we usually love to keep a detailed record, don't we? Like when we're bitter, we usually love to list all the reasons why we're bitter. Well, I remember this time. I remember what you said. I remember how you acted. So you can come up with a list of all the reasons, but bitterness, bitterness can keep a detailed record, but love doesn't. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no records of wrong. Bitterness likes to keep a very detailed record. Love keeps no records of wrong. You might be sitting here and you're like, oh, Alex, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know how they treated me. You don't know what happened and you're right, I, I don't. I might not know your circumstance. I might not know what she did to you. I might not know what he said about you. I might not know what happened in your past. I might not know how relationships panned out or not. I don't, I don't know. But there is a person that does know and that's Jesus. Jesus was the one who was offended. Jesus was the one that was hurt. Jesus was the one that was betrayed. And sometimes we like to talk more about the hurt that's been done to us rather than talk about the hurt that put Jesus on the cross. 
If anybody gets it, it's him. And you might be thinking, well, how do I get there? How do I forgive someone? How do I move past from being bitter and resentful into now trying to forgive this person? It's the same of what God did for you. You forgive fully. You forgive completely. You forgive unconditionally and without question. God forgave you without question. God forgave you fully. God forgave you completely. Ever struggle with forgiveness? Maybe you need to bring back, bring yourself back to the reason how God met you. Forgiveness might be easier when you see what Jesus did for you. With whom or at what are you bitter? I believe there's people in this room tonight that are bitter. You're bitter towards the church. You're bitter towards your parents. You're bitter towards your ex. You're bitter towards that one friend, bitter towards your coach. What do you keep maybe reliving and rehearsing that God is just asking you just to release it? You keep playing the same scenario over and over again. You keep choosing to live in the same pain, the same agony. As the band sings behind us, I'd ask that you just take a moment to reflect with whom or at what are you bitter? Where has your heart been bitter? Maybe you're bitter at God because he's not doing things like you want him to. Maybe you're bitter towards people because they didn't meet your expectations. So God, we just come before you. God, we ask that you would speak to us in this moment. God, maybe there's things that we are bitter about that we don't know why we're bitter. We didn't realize we are bitter. There's things in our heart that we have allowed to grow that God has caused us to distance from you. And God, we know if we don't forgive, God, it draws us away from you. It's the nature of your heart. It's the nature of who you are. So God, I just ask right now, you begin to speak to people. You begin to just convict and to teach, to correct, to encourage, to comfort. God, to maybe reveal the places in their heart where they have just let go, the places where they just feel like, you know what? I move on from that. I'm still, I'm still mad at them. I still hate them, but I don't care. God, would you maybe bring up things that are unresolved in them? God, we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. To stay connected with C12, make sure to follow us on Instagram at C12stuff. One of the best ways to get connected with others and grow in your relationship with God is jumping into a small group. To sign up for small groups, go to 12stone.com slash small groups and search college. We hope to see you next week.